Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. All right, Hank, cold open this week because we have a couple of important announcements. First off, Hank, you and I are going on tour to celebrate uh, the release of my new book, Turtles Woo! All the Way Down, which comes out October 10th. Woo! And we're going to be in lots of cities. Some of the shows are already sold out, but uh, some are not. Yeah. So if you live in Washington, D.C., yeah. Charlotte, North Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, Indianapolis, St. Louis, Missouri, St. Paul, Minnesota, Missoula, Montana. Very excited for our Missoula show, Hank. We've never played Missoula before. No, no. Uh, in fact, I haven't played Missoula since uh, since the very first show I ever played, which was a punishment on Vlogbrothers. We're also going to be in uh, Spokane, Washington, Portland, Oregon, San Francisco, Pleasanton, California, and Los Angeles, California. Uh, the We're also in Orlando, which you skipped because we haven't figured out how to actually sell those tickets yet. Yeah, there's a problem because there is this big hurricane in Orlando, but we are going to be in Orlando as well. Hopefully tickets will be on sale by the time this podcast goes live. Uh, we're going to be in all those places, and uh, you can learn more at turtlesallthewaydownbook.com, uh, and that's also where you can get tickets. We'd love to see you in person to celebrate uh, Turtles All the Way Down. And Hank also has an announcement. Yeah, my, the second announcement is that we've, we're changing the way the phrase of the week works, which I, I like the suggestion from Rosiana for uh, a, a more coherent strategy for phrase of the week, which is that John and I both have separate phrases of the week, the two different phrases, and John knows his and I know mine, but we don't know each other's. And at the end of the episode, we're going to try and guess which thing... The other person said was the phrase of the week. Uh, so you have to get it in, uh, and that means maybe wedging it in at the end. But also, maybe I'm just going to say a bunch of weird stuff, and John's going to have no idea. Right. So we're going to see if this works better as a bit. Thanks to all the listeners for their helpful game suggestions for making the <laughs> phrase of the week better. Uh, we really appreciate you guys' uh, continuing support, even when we have dumb bits. You. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, your support and also just uh, condescending suggestions. <laughs> like we're trying to create like some kind of genius game. No, we're being Your constructive dumb. criticism means a lot to us. And also your unconstructive criticism is also very helpful. Hello and welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or is that for to think of it, Dear John and Hank? 
It's a comedy podcast in which two brothers, we answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both of ours and ASC Wimbledon. Hey, John, how are you doing? I'm great. Uh, my book comes out in like three weeks, and I am a bit running around like a chicken with my head cut off, but I suspect that I shouldn't complain to you because you are experiencing the extreme jet lag of coming back from Australia. Uh, last night, I was at dinner. Uh, Mom and Dad came over for dinner, and, and we had some delicious food, and I was falling asleep at the dinner table, and so they were like, well, let's let this poor child go to sleep, because um, they're my parents, and they still think I'm a child, And uh, but I had to edit some videos, so I went out to my office to finish editing my video, and then, uh, we're recording this on a Friday, and then I... Uh, didn't fall asleep until 2 o'clock in the morning! Yeah, that was fun. I feel like, first off, I know you were awake after 2 o'clock in the morning because I received two emails from you at 3.18. But secondly... (laughs) No, it couldn't have been that was. It was. It was 5.18 Eastern time. Um, Maybe you shouldn't have been emailing when you were trying to sleep. But yeah. Well, I... (laughs) What else am I gonna do? I have work to do, John. I'm either gonna be using my time wisely, but like in the sleep thing, or I'm gonna be using my time wisely in the getting. Work All right. Well, thing. the point being, we're not gonna be getting the best Hank this week. That's everybody just needs to reconcile themselves to that reality. This is gonna be some substandard Hank. He's gonna do his best, but we're not mm-hmm. gonna get peak Hank right now. I've got a short poem for you today. Uh, it's by Langston Hughes. It was actually sent in by listener Shelby. Thank you, Shelby, for sending in a short poem and saving me the trouble of having to find one because I've pretty much run out of the ones that I know and like. Uh, this is a very good short poem, though, and it's sort of about death. It's uh, called Final Curve by Langston Hughes. When you turn the corner and you run into yourself, then you know you have turned all the corners that are left. I like it. Mm. I like it. Nice and short. And it's about turning corners. Speaking of turning corners, Hank, can I read a science question to you that I already looked up the answer to so you don't have to do any any, uh, guesswork? All right. Hit me. (laughs) The level of enthusiasm (laughs) is infectious. This question comes from Connor, who writes, Dear John and Hank, if the Earth and everything on it was scaled up to the size of the sun, what size would humans be? Too lazy to do the math, Connor. Uh, Will, we'd be like puddles, little puddles of goo. Just That is correct. That is correct. We would be tiny puddles of goo. Um, or maybe large puddles Pretty of big, goo. Pretty big, large one, puddles of goo, yeah. Big the one thing puddles. we would not be is standing upright. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. For a Everything on Earth would yeah. look like, uh, you know those... Um, uh, those those fish that lie on the floor of the ocean and they have both both their eyes on the same side of their head because they only have like one side of their head. Everything would look like that. A flounder, I think, is the one you're oh, thinking of. A flou- uh, we would all be flounders. Sent the the earth would be full of huge sentient flounders. Just sliding along. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to me what to figure out what the actual properties of a planet that size would be with the composition of Earth. Because, of course, if a, if a planet were that size and it were made of hydrogen, it would just be the sun again. But we're not. We don't have that much hydrogen on Earth or that much helium. So fusion would probably not be able to start up. So the question, but it probably still would be like a molten ball. There'd be so much pressure that that the heat from the inside would reach the outside. Uh, so in addition to being piles of goo, we would be quickly vaporized piles of goo. Is my guess. Um, no, I can't. I can't be sure. 
So uh, just to clarify, this is because of gravity, uh, because gravity on a much larger Earth would exert much more force pulling humans down and making them puddles of goo. Yeah. Also, even if we were just like however much bigger the the sun is than the Earth, like even if suddenly we were all, you know, a million times bigger or whatever, uh, I think like I think it's about a million times. That's my that's my I didn't look this up. Guess. Um, if we were a million times bigger, we would still just be piles of goo because our our bones would not be able to hold us up, and we would break them, and then we'd just be flash bags on like sort of slapping around on the on the planet. Uh, that's just a beautiful image, flesh bags slopping around on the planet. It, uh, it's one of those things that just brings a tear to your eye. I, while researching this question, Hank, I, I ended up falling down a rabbit hole of the question, somewhat related, are humans closer in size to the Earth or to an atom of hydrogen? Mm, I would say to the Earth would be my, my guess. That is correct by almost every way of uh, calculating it. Um, if you calculate it logarithmically by mass, uh, we're about in the middle, actually. Oh. But but most most ways of calculating it, if you calculate it by absolute mass or um, if you sure, calculate yeah. it by volume, etc., uh, humans are much closer in size uh, to the Earth than they are to a hydrogen atom. Which, you know, if you're ever feeling irrelevant, just think like about how irrelevant hydrogen atoms must feel. Um, feeling. This question comes from Cheyenne, <laughs> who asks, Dear John and Hank. I even just said, Dear John and Hank. That was oh, terrible. That's how tired I mean, I am. that was that. Dear- I mean, honestly, honestly, <laughs> I might, I might have to fire you and go get a guest host right now. <laughs> I think I did great. Feeling. This question comes from Cheyenne. Dear Hank and John, I live in Arkansas, which sadly means I have to travel extreme distances to see my favorite people like you guys. I'm also a high school English teacher, so my English teacher, so my schedule is a little difficult to work around. Ah, there's substitute teachers. So my question is, how crazy would it be for me to fly to Georgia for 24 hours to meet you guys? Not from Wyoming, Cheyenne. Well, Cheyenne, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is that I've, uh, I'm going to save you the cost of a plane ticket. The bad news is that the show in Atlanta has sold out. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't think about that before I asked the question. What a shock. That's why I wasn't going to ask it, because it's just, it's just rubbing salt into a wound. It's just saying, like, oh, hey, God. in addition uh, to this not being a great idea, also, you can't do it. Uh, however, Cheyenne, I do have some really good news for you, mm. which is that I am currently looking at a map of Arkansas, and I think a- any of us would be shocked to find to learn the geographic location of Arkansas. I certainly was. Um, I, yes, I'm looking at it right now on my map. That includes a picture of David Jeffers. Hey, David Jeffers, that's a that's a that's a joke for pe- very select few people, um, and I find that it's really really quite not where I thought it was. Who is David Jeffers? David Jeffers is a man who has shared his location with me on Google Maps. <laughs> it's the only one who's ever, I don't know why, but he he knows my email address because my email address is public. And uh, he shared it. So I always know exactly where David Jeffers is. He's usually in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I hope that he comes to our North Carolina show so that I can what meet the David hell? Jeffers. What the hell is going on? <laughs> What is happening? You know know about David Jeffers, right, John? No. 
Yes, uh, I, I want once upon a time I was doing a live stream uh, and I was I had my my I was screen sharing and I was looking on ma- my map and, and there's David Jeffers showed up and I got really confused and I found him on Twitter and he was like, yeah, I shared my location with you. And I was like, well, no, he was like, nobody else has done that. And it's like, no, it's just you. Just n- like none of my actual friends. No other strangers. Just just the entire map of the United States of America and David Jeffers. Okay. <laughs> All right. I did not know about David Jeffers. I've never even heard that name before. Um, I have no idea what's happening right now. I feel like I am on a train that is off the rails. <laughs> that is like, I, and, and at any moment, I am going to fly off of a bridge and fall into the ocean. But the point is that Arkansas turns out to be right next to Tennessee. And Tennessee turns out to contain one of our shows, which is in Nashville. So instead of going to the sold out show in Atlanta that is further away from the not yet sold out show in Nashville, why don't you just go to Nashville? And yes, obviously, you should take time away from uh, educating uh, America's students to visit Hank and I in Nashville. Of course, that goes without saying. No, you shouldn't. I don't know. Do whatever feels right. I, I, I'm going to feel weird, Hank, if somebody spends like plane ticket money to come and see us because the show, It's hopefully it's going to be like better than this pod, but it's not going to mm-hmm. be that much better. Yeah, well, it's not really a plane ticket even. Where, like, if you go from Arkansas to 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 Nashville, well, we don't know. We don't know where in Arkansas it's this not person that lives. Big of a place. I assume that they live in Hot Springs, Arkansas, because that's the best town name. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna find out how long it takes to get from Hot Springs, Arkansas, to Nashville, Tennessee. Based on my understanding of Google Maps, it takes like three inches. Uh, it takes. Well, so I just typed in Arkansas to Nashville, and, and Google Maps has chosen just a completely arbitrary spot, not in the middle of Arkansas, to be yeah. where the, it starts. And it's a five-hour drive. Uh, but it is a completely arbitrary spot, not in the middle of Arkansas. Right, but I'm pretty sure that this person lives in Hot Springs, because that is a funny place name. And so from Hot Springs to Nashville is six hours. So that's, I mean, maybe a six-hour drive is on the cusp of acceptability. Here's, I don't want to, I don't want to oversell the show. I want to be very clear about this, Cheyenne. Like, there's going to be a live Dear Hank and John segment. It's going to be maybe four to five percent better than the kind of suboptimal podcasting that you're used to there's going to be some other segments that are going to be fun and i think it'll be a great time but i don't know if i i don't know if i would spend six hours alone in a car i would i would but but i like hank a lot i love seeing hank perform so i don't know it's up to you do what is best for you john i have an update okay regarding arkansas so okay. the, the arbitrary point not in the middle of Arkansas that Google Maps has chosen, uh huh, it's in uh, it's in it's in the middle of a field. Uh, it appears to not be a farm or anything. It's just a field, <laughs> like a and next next to the arbitrary spot that Google Maps has chosen to represent uh-huh. the, the the Arkansas is just uh-huh. a just a thing, and it says women's clothing store, but not it's not on <laughs> anything. It's just on on the field. It's in the middle really? of this field, and it says women's clothing store. It has one star and one review, John. It has a review. It has a review. Let me well, see that's what the great. review is. It says it's from Liz C., a, a local guide who uh, yeah. has 18 reviews, and a month ago she left this review, John. One star. Okay. Fake. Fake. <laughs> 
So this poor, so Liz C, Liz C, local guide, poor soul, drives to the definition of Arkansas, according to Google, which is in the middle of a field. I, I agree with you. I'm looking at it now. It is in the exact middle of a field that does not appear to be cultivated in any way. There is no road. There does not appear to be, this place does not appear to be accessible. I think it's a, I think it's a cow pasture. I think I see some feed troughs. But yeah, I yeah, it, it appears to be maybe pigs. It is some kind of animal field, and there is a sign that says "Women's Clothing Store," and there is just a review that just says "fake." And the poor soul hiking out, you know, into the middle of this cow pasture. It must be at least a half mile walk from the nearest road. The nearest road, by the way, is called Peanut Ridge Road. Um, so you walk half a mile from Peanut Ridge Road to Women's Clothing Store in the middle of Arkansas as defined by Google Maps only, only to learn that shock of shocks it is fake. Oh, goodness. Well, there's we just also- saved so many people so many trips to a fake women's clothing store. Like just when I was saying that this podcast wasn't that good and you weren't at your best, you just literally took everything to a new and beautiful level. Oh, well, uh, it was a risky move, John. I, th- I feel like I made a risky move, but it paid off. All right, you got another question for us? I don't. That's the final question. That's it. We're done. Why, why even continue? Oh. All right, Hank, I can't believe we didn't answer this question first because it is time sensitive. It comes from Kelsey who writes, Dear John and Hank, help, I am 26 minutes away from meeting my blind date for this evening. What do I say upon seeing him? We've texted for a little bit, but I've never met this person face to face. Do I say, hello, Ricky, I'm Kelsey, but you already knew that. Do I make a comment about the fact that we share a birthday? Do I give him a hug? I need to walk the delicate line between being cool and still demonstrating an appropriate amount of excitement. Help me, help me help me big fan of the pod kelsey all right first off this email was sent to us six weeks ago so <laughs> we want an update how'd it go based on um kelsey's apparent level of enthusiasm about this blind date i suspect that they are now married <laughs> yeah i mean what's what's ricky got that is so i, know. That, <laughs> I mean i'd like to see i'd like to see ricky's tinder profile because apparently it's amazing <laughs> Uh, yeah, just say whatever whatever impressed you so much about Ricky. Say that. Hello, Ricky. Your cheekbones astound me. <laughs> the, the cat in the background of your picture on Tinder, that is a top-notch cat. I can tell that yeah. you are a cat lover. Your, oh, man. Your pot, your pot and pan set, I can tell you are an amazing chef. The fact that you have a basil plant there with your stuff, like... Uh, uh, top not you are something else my friend ricky i heart you is what you um, should say don't say that don't say that so i've been in this situation a couple times in my life most notably when i met my first major girlfriend who i'd known on the internet for a long time but because it was a different era we'd never exchanged pictures mm-hmm. um so she just told me i'm going to be the person in the parking lot who looks like um a cartoon character because my eyes are too big. And so I was just like scanning, scanning, scanning. (laughs) And then I did see a person with very big eyes and I was like, Marie? And she was like, John? And that's how it started. So Mm. I think that the first thing that you should actually say is, Ricky? Yeah. Yeah, you got a pretty much Ricky question mark. Because you're not, you're not positive, though you probably are, because you've seen his Tinder profile with all the, all the such and such. Uh, I don't know how it works, John. I, I haven't been on a date, basically ever. 
I went on a date on Wednesday with Sarah. We had a great time. Actually, you know what we did? We had like uh, we had a wonderful date night. We had a cocktail, and then we went out to dinner. And then it was only like eight twenty because I'm old. <laughs> You know, like yeah. I, I, we like looked at our, our, our phones at the end of dinner and we were like, the kids aren't even asleep yet. So, um, <laughs> so I was like, what do you want to do? And she was like, I don't know. What do you want to do? And I was like, we could go to Target. And she was like, yes. So we went to Target <laughs> and there's something, it's funny because when you go to Target on a date, it's a completely different experience yeah. than going to Target, uh, just because you got to like pick up diapers or whatever. So we went to Target on a date and it was so fun and we bought all kinds of crazy crap. We bought, we bought this new Trivial Pursuit game that was super fun and we went home and played it. It was just like going to Target. First, I know this isn't your question, Kelsey, but you need to take Ricky to Target because if you guys can have a great experience at Target, it is true love. Yeah, man, that's not a bad idea. Nobody goes shopping on first dates. I feel like uh, you'll learn a great deal about each other. So Sarah ha has a thing that we did that I thought was so sweet and cute. And then eventually she confessed that she'd like previously done this date with every single oh, boy she'd ever man. dated. All right. But it is super cute. This is the date. You go to the dollar store and uh, you pick out one item for each other. So like you can only spend a dollar, but you can buy the person anything. It I mean, is very a great, cute and that's fun a, that's date. Very, that's a great and fun, cute date, but it is weird to think about Sarah doing that over and over and over well, again. I wouldn't say over and over and over again. I mean, it's not like it was, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, what did she get you? Do you remember? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God she doesn't listen to this podcast or I'd be in trouble. Okay. I think we got it. Chelsea. Maybe Kelsey. 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 Uh, I remembered Ricky's name, but not yours. Ricky's a good name. Okay, get to the next question, Hank. This one's from Eric, who asks, Dear Hank and John, are you supposed to ask a father for his daughter's hand in marriage? I mean, like, it's her hand. Shouldn't I just ask her? She's very forward-thinking, so I know that she won't care, but I fear her father will take offense if I don't. Should I do it to respect him, even though I don't think it's necessary? Help! It's happening October 13th. All right, we got it in time. We're in in time. Just barely, yeah. Um, so I don't know what you did, Hank. I did ask, but I asked both of, I asked both of Sarah's parents. I didn't just ask her dad. Um, and I also, Sarah knew that I was going to ask her parents. So yeah. I'm not sure that that really count. Uh, so it was like, for me, it was a way of observing the formality and saying to, you know, to Sarah's family that they were, important to me and we're going to be an important part of our marriage and and that my relationship mm -hmm. with them and our relationship with them was important while still not um making the proposal contingent upon anyone other than you know the two of us really at its core yeah that is also what i did um i i think that uh this only becomes a sort of weird question when they might say no, uh, but yeah, I was not in that right. situation. Uh, I did have a pretty good idea going in that there was going to be a yes, although I was still extremely nervous. And I have to say, I, I mean, I think I've told the story before of when I actually uh, when 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 this actually went down. But like a month before that, I was with Sarah's dad, who's a wonderful, warm, in incredibly 
kind person and has become a you know great friend to me but at the time i found him extremely intimidating um just you know like just intimidating he's so smart and just I really and I remember like being in his office and he was holding this like crystal elephant paperweight thing and he was like holding it and like moving it from one hand to the other and I was like is he gonna throw it at me (laughs) (laughs) and I couldn't like I was I kept trying to like bring up in some way the sort of like issue of whether this was going to be a sort of permanent arrangement between Sarah and me and I was just like you know what we're going to have to abort. This mission is going to abort, abort, <laughs> back away. Just be like, great talk. It's better and to survive yeah. than to win. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I remember, I mean, I called my, in, my now in-laws on the phone and I was like, can I get both of you on the line? So it's not like they were confused about what was happening. Like, it's not like right. I called them a bunch. Right, uh, right. Yeah. Is it, uh, but yeah, I think it's. I think it's. An, uh, it, it is clearly based on you know the the way that society is structured, which we don't always have to love. We don't. We don't. Do not love the uh, effects of all of that. Um, but I don't know that this is really upholding the patriarchy. It's just sort of like ah, oh, that. I think it's more cute. Uh, well, I mean, it, it depends on how it's done, like anything, right, you know, yeah. and it depends on what the what the stakes are and all of that. And we don't know the particulars of this. But uh, I, obviously, I think that uh, whether or not to get married should be a conversation between the two people getting married. Uh, yes, agreed. And, and, and I feel that, like it should, should be, be a, where it starts. A conversation, not like that's my my problem with proposals is that too often they are not preceded by long, in-depth, careful, thoughtful conversations. Uh, and, and there is something weird about the, like, I ask, you accept or reject thing, rather than it being, you know, a, a place that gets arrived at together. So in our case, like, there was a proposal, but there was also an awareness for many months before the proposal that we were going to get married. Yeah, indeed. Uh, All right, Hank, I got another question for you. Okay. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because I'm so terrible at podcasting. No, you're great at it. That Arkansas bit was so good. Hey, Hank, <laughs> why don't you go look up uh, what Google Maps says other states, uh, where other states are located, and maybe see if you can find another fake women's clothing store. Meanwhile, this question comes from Catherine, who writes, Dear John and Hank, help. I just got tickets to the book tour, and this will be my first time seeing John in person. Hank isn't coming to my stop. Oh, right. I should mention that. Hank will not be at the stops in Atlanta and Asheville. Instead, there will be amazing guest Hanks. Hank, I don't know if I should announce who the guest Hanks are, because I don't want to, like, raise people's expectation that they're going to be celebrities, but because they aren't. But in my opinion, they will be better than celebrities. Also, I don't know if you know who they are. Uh, I, John, in the geographical or Google Maps chosen center of Illinois, which is, uh-huh. uh, as you might expect, a uh, cornfield, uh-huh. there are, I don't know, 30 GMT global money transfer locations. <laughs> oh, so this is a pattern. So <laughs> it would appear... It would appear that this is not a kind of one time. <laughs> um, there's also that, wait, John. There's also a yeah. uh, there's okay. also a, a Zara, uh, but the, the oh. address of the Zara is Alrav Mamilla Avenue Eight, Jerusalem. 
941-4904 Israel. Okay. Well, so that, that is a surprise. Seems, it seems something has gone wrong. Well, Hank, um, I don't want to. Um, I, I don't want to veer too far away uh, from the question <laughs> of who the guest tanks are in uh, Asheville and Atlanta. However, um, in the geographical uh, location <laughs> chosen by Google to represent Texas, which is uh, just off of a road called Frost Lane, I would say about an hour and a half south of Abilene, uh, there is a uh, hotel named Magoogla. <laughs> 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 it's Magoogla. It has uh, it's uh, two point three stars um, and three reviews. Uh, one five star review in the last week from Bella, who writes that is wonderful, and then two one star reviews with no um, with no particular uh, text associated with them. But perhaps somebody you know made it to this completely empty field in the middle of Texas uh, off of uh, Frost Lane and discovered <laughs> that there is not in fact a hotel named Magoogla. <laughs> Magoogla. <laughs> oh my. Well, okay. So we've we've discovered some kind of bug with Google Maps, John. But if you would or, like or have to, we? If you would like to transfer some money, the the uh, the center of Illinois is a great place to do it. It's just cornfields and money transfer centers. So interestingly, uh, the definition of Indiana, my home state, according to Google, if you, if you just type in Indiana, it actually takes you relatively close. Uh, oh wait, no, that's my that's my house. Oh, I see. It takes. Okay, I see. It, uh, it took it me. It just took I you got, to your house. I, yeah, it it knows where I am. Okay. Um, I, I'm not sharing my location with you, but apparently I am sh- sharing it with Google. So there's going to be guest tanks in the Asheville and Atlanta stops. Um, it's still going to be a very fun show, but there there will be no Hank. Point being, what should you wear? Was the question, I believe. Uh, I don't even know. Oh, right. Yeah. The question is, what do people usually wear? Do most people wear like John Green or Nerdfighter related shirts or nerdy shirts in general? Your advice is much appreciated. Turtles and tours, Catherine. Uh, yes, most people. I don't. I wouldn't say most people, but a lot of people wear like whatever fandom you want to brag about, whether that's the Harry Potter fandom or uh some a book you love or if you want to wear a pizza john shirt you'll certainly never feel more comfortable in a pizza john shirt than uh, at a tour (laughs) event um but anything that makes you feel comfortable and happy and relaxed and not uh not overwhelmed i i wouldn't wear necessarily like um formal wear although i will likely be wearing a suit at least for part of the evening you should not feel obligated to I'm not going to be wearing a suit, though I may be wearing a kind of suit. It depends on how you, oh, what God. you think of oh, as my a God. suit. I, don't know. I got that email at 3.18 in the morning when you <laughs> sent it, and I was just like, what is, like, what is happening to Hank this evening? I, I, can't, I can't reveal exactly what he purchased, but he was like, I just purchased X suit, and I'd like to wear it at every tour event stop, but it will necessitate a quick costume change. And I was just like, why is Hank thinking this at 3.18 in the morning? <laughs> no I wonder you can't of, sleep. I had a bunch of other really good ideas about the for for the tour uh, while bet. laying in bed, uh, and I I did not. Uh, I, I then went once uh, upon awaking in the morning realized that they were they were low quality ideas. Yeah, that is so. I mean, that is such a problem for me. Like, if the ideas that I dr- dream about were as good as the actual idea, I would be a genius. All right.
right, John. This next question comes from Vanessa, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I'm getting married soon, and it's time to start addressing those wedding invites. Since you're both married men and have been involved with the details of weddings, uh, should the addresses on the wedding invite envelopes be handwritten, or is printing addresses on envelopes acceptable? I realize that most of these envelopes are just going to end up in hopefully the recycling bin, but this debate has caused quite a stir in my family. My mother insists that the 100-plus invitations be handwritten, while my sister and peers think that, I'm just going to paraphrase here, is silly. Uh, <laughs> John, well, uh, Vanessa concludes, calligraphy pens and carpal tunnel, Vanessa. Yeah, I mean, it's so, why? They make it, this whole process is already a lot of work. You do not need to make it more work. Do I need to make it more work? Uh, all right, we're going to disagree about this. Um, okay. In the same way that, like, you know, when you get the wedding, when you get wedding presents, if you're lucky enough to get wedding presents, when you write the thank you note, I think that even though I hate writing things oh, out God, with yeah. my hand, and, and it causes my arm to cramp and I just the whole time I'm thinking about how much faster this would be if I could type it and just email this thank you letter I do think that there is value to the act and I know that this makes me a conservative old fuddy-duddy but I do think that there is something to the handwritten note I do think that there's something I understand oh, yeah, yeah, Vanessa's yeah. mom's right. position now so I here's, wouldn't press here's it here's the thing here's the thing uh, yeah. I agree I wouldn't press it is what what if you pay someone to write it down? Is that so? Like, I know a lot of people who have done that, who've gotten calligraphers to like write the calligraphy of right. the address. And right. to me, that's like that's like more work, and you didn't do it yourself. So how is that better than getting right. a, a printer to do it? Well, it is very beautiful, though. It is nice. It's lovely. I completely agree that it's lovely. But it, but, but is it about the aesthetic experience? Or is it about putting in, like, making this something that you did to show that you care about the people? Right. I, I, I uh, 100% understand. At some point, if you're, if you're outsourcing the personal touch, is it a personal touch? <laughs> um, yeah. This is something that, like that's what I I thought about that a lot when people would say about the signing thing if, uh, with, with signing all the copies of Turtles all the way down if pe when people would say like why don't you just get a stamp or an auto pen or whatever um, and yeah. to me it's like there's something about the physical doing of it but at the same time if you do something two hundred thousand times it's obviously not that hard you know like it's not that <laughs> it's not that personal. Yeah, every, um, and so there is a, there is a tension done, there that I understand. Everything that I have done two hundred thousand times was pretty easy. Uh, I would submit that you haven't done one of the things that I liked a lot about the signing is that I don't think you have done a lot of things two hundred thousand times. No, it's a pretty it's a pretty small number of things. Like I've I've taken more than two hundred thousand breaths. My heart has beaten more than two hundred thousand times. Right, but, like, but that wasn't a choice. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. There's very, very little. I mean, like, I probably have flicked my toes back and forth 200,000 times because I do it all the time. And that's kind of a choice. It's like it's, but it's definitely, yeah, back back there, motor memory. That's not something I'm thinking about. Um, how many, have I eaten 200,000 somethings? Is there something I've eaten 200,000 of? Like, I've probably eaten 200,000 beans, for sure. Definitely. Definitely 200,000 grains of rice. Well, that, yeah, but I don't. Uh, yeah, that's true. Like you have eaten two hundred thousand grains of rice. Um, 
but I like I, I like um, sort of exploring, as you know, Hank, exploring extreme repetition. I've liked it since I was a kid. It's always mm-hmm. been it's always been a source of joy for me. Today's uh, podcast, in fact, is brought to you by doing something two hundred thousand times. Rarer than you might think. Rarer than you might think, and also a great way to develop a skill, like uh, drawing a fish. This podcast is additionally brought to you by Substandard Hank. Uh, Substandard Hank, uh, available right now Uh, through the magic uh, of Australia. uh, uh. And today's podcast is brought to you by Women's Clothing Store, Women's Clothing Store, Arkansas. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't have a city. It's just the state. <laughs> and finally, this po- and finally, this podcast is brought to you by John's father-in-law's crystal elephant murder weapon, <laughs> or just paper. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, okay. All right, Hank, this question comes from Aaron, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I have a mom and I am a mom. While I love my mother dearly, how do I get her to call me less frequently? She calls several <laughs> times a day until I pick up the phone, and Oy. these conversations last for hours. I'm busy at home with three kids, including a set of twins, and the time I do have alone is better spent regaining my sanity than listening to my mom rehash her last meal and the effect of it on her bowels. Ay, 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 ay. Ay, ay, she also says that she's literally developed cubital tunnel syndrome from the repetitive elbow strain of talking on the phone. Well, I have a solution for that, which is to get uh, a Bluetooth headset. Um, but that is not going that is not going to resolve yeah. the, the larger Other issues yeah. um, of, of establishing boundaries and uh, getting your mom to acknowledge them. Aaron goes on to say that she's tried that repeatedly and that uh, her mom gets hurt and then also just doesn't acknowledge the boundaries. It's one thing if you hurt somebody's feelings and then slowly they understand the boundaries. It's another thing if you hurt someone's feelings and then they don't um, respect the boundaries anyway. Then it's just frustrating. Oh man, I have no solution, but this sounds terrible. This that's my yeah. this sounds very hard. I mostly can also only commiserate in this situation because uh it's not fortunately not something I have a ton of experience with. I guess that I would say that it probably makes sense not to reach out, although I appreciate you reaching out to us, but uh to reach out to a therapist and maybe potentially even a therapist who you can talk uh, with your mom too. Since you're talking uh, with your mom hours a day anyway, maybe one hour a week with a therapist might help better acknowledge uh, the boundaries and better establish them and keep everybody kind of playing by the rules. Um, but I would recommend, I would really recommend talking to someone in this situation, uh, a professional, because I do think that uh, that would be tremendously exhausting, especially uh, when you have three kids, including a set of twins. Hank, is there anything in the world scarier than the the words um, twins? <laughs> I guess yeah. triplets. Triplets. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, quadruplets is scarier. Uh, quintuplets yeah. is a scary word. Um, uh, Aaron has a follow-up question here, but before I get to that, I will say, I I don't know if this is a very practical suggestion, which is to text your mom and say, I can't talk today. Um, and, (laughs) and do that and do that every other day. So at least you're not doing it, talking to her every day. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, just a standard 8 a.m. Can't talk today. Can't talk yeah, I don't today. think I don't think that's going to work. I still it doesn't, doesn't seem like that doesn't seem like that's that, 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 that the root of the problem is a, a lack of uh, of of getting texts saying 
uh, that we can't talk today. But Aaron's follow-up question is, uh, do you guys have any advice on how I can get my three-and-a-half-year-old to figure out the difference between pants and a shirt? (laughs) I mean, don't. That sounds great. Uh, No. Yeah, exactly. Hold on to that as long as you can. That's like, (laughs) I was... When Alice was little, instead of saying yes, she said I or I. And... (laughs) Everyone like, at like, a like the preschool I, I, would Kevin. be like, yeah, exactly, like a pirate. And everyone at, at like the teachers at the preschool would be like, "Have you noticed that Alice doesn't say yes? She only says I." And I, I was like, "Yeah, I've noticed it. It's amazing." And they were like, "Well, we've been working with her on the word yeah." I'm like, "Stop! Do not so cute. work with her on the word yes." Once she starts saying yes, she's never going to say I ever again, and it's amazing. <laughs> I have to say that since then, Alice uh, has started to say yes, but she has also developed an incredibly cute, new, enthusiastic yes. Like when she's really uh, psyched about saying yes to something, when it's like, Alice, would you like some ice cream? Instead of saying I or yes, she says yuppers. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so cute. It makes me melt. Um, John, okay, we got some some good sign-offs sent in, but before I get to those, I want to note that you, uh, John was adding adding notes to the podcast document in the header area, and so the yeah. top of every one of our pages of the podcast doc just says, in all caps, Arkansas. Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> no regrets. Hashtag no regrets. All right, so we've got some of these name-specific sign-offs. You might remember that we asked our listeners if they had any name-specific sign-offs for us. And uh, Amy, nope, nope, wrong person's name. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Amy, I'm sure you're great too, but this that, that is not the person that I wanted to read the thing from. It was Miranda. Miranda sent in one. Uh, her husband is named John, and he signs off... Uh, his emails, John Voyage, which is pretty great. <laughs> I All might right, do but, that. That's a pretty I'm, good one. I'm going to go through a few. Allie has neither dilly nor dally. Allie. Lane says life in the fast. Lane. Page, on to the next. Page. Pa- <laughs> this is from Molly. Poppin' Molly. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, it's a drug know. joke. I don't know. If we, I don't joke. know if we make drug jokes on this channel, but it's not Molly's <laughs> fault that she that that they ended up naming a street drug after her, um, or maybe it is. We actually don't know much about Molly now that, now that it occurs to me. We also got seven hundred fifty-seven thousand corrections, and I want to thank each and every one of you for writing in uh, to point out that uh, Flamio oh Hotman was not, as we assumed, a Latin sign-off, but rather a reference <laughs> to Avatar: The Last Airbender. I'm not not sure how, like, what mind state we were in to think that Flamio Hotman was Latin, but... <laughs> I just, I mean, I watched the clip of, uh, of, of Fl- Flamio Hotman happening on... Uh... On Avatar: The Last Airbender, and I gotta say, it did did not make any sense. It did not. If you don't know Avatar: The Last, <laughs> The Last Airbender, it does not make a ton of sense. But also, so Hank, because I did not remember saying Flamio Hotman or whatever version yeah. of it I said, um, <laughs> people kept sending me Just that Twitter. one particular yeah. clip from YouTube, and and I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> Is this a meme that I'm like too yeah. old to get? And so for the longest time, so finally I went to Rosiana and I was like, I, this is such a ter- like this is such a 40-year-old person thing, but can you please explain this meme to me? And she was like, 
That's not a meme, you idiot. That's it's <laughs> a reference to your podcast. Uh, we also got a, a correction from Phineas, who wrote in to say that when Hank called the lead singer of the band Fish Trey Parker, <laughs> he, he was incorrect. The lead singer of the band Fish is Trey Anastasio, uh, and Trey Parker co-created the television program South Park. Uh, That's they have true. literally nothing else in common. Well, I mean, there aren't that many trays, so. Um, uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's, that's that my there's defense. a case to be made about that. Um, also, uh, Addy wrote in to say, "How dare you!" Ben got lots of presents, uh, and the night was entirely focused on him. Angrily, Addy, along with a picture from Ben's birthday. This is a reference to something that happened in the podcast that I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Amy writes in with a, with a bit of a response to say, I work at a pregnancy clinic, and in response to April's question about what to tell parents when they see their baby and are concerned, I wanted to share that line that has worked for me. When I see a moment of concern pass over their face, I say, he gets even cuter, which implies that the baby is already cute, but also not to worry. He's uh, not always going to look that way. All right, Hank, now we have to uh, guess each other's phrases of the week. Are you ready to guess my phrase of the week? I am, John. What was it? I think your phrase of the week was crystal elephant. It was crystal elephant paperweight. Oh, well, wow. I mean, okay, I well, had to make up count? a whole, I made up a whole story about my father-in-law <laughs> in a desperate attempt to fit crystal elephant paperweight somewhere in the pocket. It's very difficult, but yes, I lost. I think that yours was pot and pan set. No, it was basil plant. You were close. Oh, I was it, I was in the right area, but I picked <laughs> the wrong detail. <laughs> oh, uh, all right. Well, Hank wins the first round one and possibly only of the phrases the week game. I mean, um, no, that was so much fun. I was <laughs> nervous the whole time. I was freaking out. 100% of the pod. And while I was saying basil plant, my heart rate was like 120 beats per minute. I was like, I'm doing it. Here I go. I'm coming to my basil plant. And I'm just going to rush right past it. And then and I was stammering. I was so excited. The news from AFC Wimbledon is as follows. Uh, on September 9th, AFC Wimbledon lost 2-0 to Portsmouth in what was, by all accounts, not a very good performance. And then on September 12th, AFC Wimbledon drew... Uh, 1-1 with Gillingham. The Gills, the Gillies, the Gillers drew 1-1, but it was a, a, a purportedly, I did not see it, uh, purportedly a better game, at least according to Twitter. AFC Wimbledon uh, seemed more likely to score a second goal and were very unfortunate to give up the equalizer. That's uh, a very frustrating result, though, because uh, Gillingham played an entire half of football with only 10 players and because uh, they had a red card, and so it's was, it was frustrating. This means that Wimbledon uh, now... Ha! Ah, it's time. Seven games into um, what will be a 46-game season, so too early to panic, but only one one spot away from the relegation zone. Five points from seven games, which is not enough. Uh, not not enough. Period. Hard stop. Uh, so that is the situation. John, uh, this week in Mars News, uh, September 15th saw the end of the 20th annual International Mars Society Convention. I don't know if you know, but I was at the very first annual Mars Society Convention. So That's that makes cool. me feel old. I've been into Mars for 20 years, John. More, more than. 
Uh, the uh, a number of things happened. George Whitesides of Virgin Galactic gave a keynote address uh, or a presentation where he discussed uh, Virgin Galactic's uh, move into powered spaceflight, where they're starting to do good good stuff following their accident on uh, in 2014. The uh, keynote address was by Anusha Ansari, and uh, they even had a panel of science fiction authors, including one of my one of my faves, uh, Larry Niven. So, so, so much good things happened at the Mars Society uh, convention that I didn't go to or participate in, but it looks like a good nerdy time. Just, just some serious nerding out, John. All right, there we go. Uh, That noted... Uh, we're now going to record our uh, special podcast uh, over at patreon.com slash Dear Hank and John called This Week in Ryan's, where every week uh, we discuss for five or ten minutes a Ryan whose name is at this point almost never Ryan. Uh, but thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, Hank, thank you for potting with me. Uh, what did we learn today? <sighs> um, John, we learned that one of your first dates with Sarah was at the dollar store and one of your last ones was at Target. <laughs> That's right. We're moving up in the world. We learned uh, that there is a, a lot of things in the middle of uh, what Google defines as the United States. Yeah, we did. We did. We learned that the middle of Illinois has has a lot going on. We also learned that uh, shirts and pants are the same. They're the same. Essentially. Essentially interchangeable. And lastly, we learned that even a suboptimal Hank is still an excellent Hank. Oh, thank you very much, John. That's nice to hear. This podcast is produced by Rosiana Hulse-Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. It's edited by Nicholas Jenkins. The head of community and in, in something else is Victoria Bongiorno. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Communication? Communication. <laughs> Okay. Uh, The music that you hear is by the the wonderful, legendary, fantastic, optimal Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't don't forget forget to to be be awesome. awesome. You can email us at hankandjohn at gmail.com. Great ending. That's so (laughs) suboptimal. (laughs) 